Criterion creeps are coming with Jared and RJ from Renoir to Kurosawa and everything along the way. Highbrow, lowbrow, they won't stop until the This is the Criterion Creeps podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. I, I'm RJ, I think. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order to release. This week, we're hanging out with one of the biggest rock bands of all time, which sounds like a much better time than it actually is. As we watch Spine, I don't know, 14 or something in the Criterion Laserdisc Collection, <gasps> uh, Richard Lester's Help! from 1965 but first hey rj how's it going this week i think we could use a little help Jarrett. uh i don't want to uh put all our cards on the table don't want to play our hand too soon for these people but uh things aren't going great over here in creepsville no. i had a pretty shitty week uh andrew and i had a pretty shitty week and uh you were doing okay until we started recording two hours ago uh, it was like an hour or so ago. An hour um, and ten ago. So uh, I was going to, I had some wicked banter to hit you with. I was going to bring back toilet talk. I remember the fans wanted it. But uh, the fans don't know that we've been spending the last hour and 15 minutes uh, trying to figure out how to record audio on a new platform. And no. uh, now it's midnight. Well, It'll be midnight. Uh, yeah, so RJ probably sounds really nice and clear right now. Um, my, our, our Skype platform and the means that we re record our episodes usually has just completely decided not to work tonight uh, mm -hmm. at all. Cannot figure out what it is. Seems like I am alone. I've updated. I've turned it off, turned it back on. <laughs> and so uh, I just spent the last half hour or so learning how Google Hangouts works and how one records it now. And all the information one finds online is completely out of date. Uh, and so I've been figuring this crap out and Archie's been hearing me curse and just besmirch all of the internet. But here we are. It's It, it was actually uh, just the pick-me-up I needed because uh, it's been a pretty low week, but uh, to hear you struggle and to hear you in a bad spot is almost making me feel better. Yeah. So but, uh, yeah, like... Like I said, I had a, I had a bunch of toilet banter, but you know maybe it'll just have to wait until next week. Yeah, yeah, this has been uh, quite the forty five minutes. So if uh, the fans feel a little short changed by uh, our patented dialogue, our fuck, preamble, fuck them, fuck them. Well, no, I was gonna say you know who <laughs> to take it up with is uh, Skype and Google. And uh, all these like video call platforms that don't have the option to simply record audio. Yeah. Um, well, well, our, well, the one that I use does record video and audio, but it gives you like a very straightforward means of just exporting that out as audio. But this is, uh, I'm going to have to do it after the fact and dick around with that. So I mean, like, why doesn't Google Hangouts or Skype or FaceTime, why isn't there a button that you can just click to record audio? How is that not useful? Why is that not a thing? 
I don't know. And on top of it, this Google Hangouts extremely awkward because uh, what's nice about the usual platforms, it gives you a nice little thumbnail of RJ that I can look at off to the mm -hmm. side while I do other things. But now I have to look at myself talking because Google has decided to like cut you back and forth. Like it edits for you. So when RJ speaks next, I'm going to see RJ and then it'll <laughs> back to me. Like right now, like, well, you're going, huh. because uh, that's not happening to me. So, uh, I um I live for your anguish, but uh no, it's not editing back and forth for me. But I do I also the no thumbnail is a major pain because not major pain with uh, Damon Wayne's that classic army kids movie, but uh, it's a major pain because I like to creep on Letterbox while we're talking. Yeah, and uh, now I can't look at you while I'm also creeping. Yeah. And there's scary buttons here. I'm looking at like one called cameraman and maybe that oh, would solve all my problems, but I don't know. I'm afraid to click it because apparently with this Google Hangouts, uh, once you hit stop broadcast, there's no way of just turning it back on. You have to mm. like start from scratch. This, this Google Hangouts, there's uh there's nothing to do. Ooh, I yeah. should have went to the bathroom before we started. Then, you, hey. know, you know, you know what though, with this platform, if we have to wind up using it on a more regular basis, because, uh, mm -hmm. has abandoned me, uh, we could always link this and people could watch us do episodes live. Nobody would want that, but no. maybe it could be a Patreon goal. Ooh, live See? streams of yeah. red face, Jarrett and mm -hmm. old Shlomo Blaylog here. Mm. see don't you think fans would want to see this yeah i i, I want to see that that's why i do this podcast i know it is well i've always said uh we should add a patreon goal where um if people give i don't know like three four hundred dollars a month i'll give them my snapchat and i'll i'll snap them every single day all the dick pics you ever want no it's the back oh oh uh, hey rj Yo. we got we got an email single just a single lame yeah i know well and on top of it so it's frank and it's like the subject line is shortest email yet Ooh, that's okay today that's okay that's okay today yep so frank solano he begins what's up homies this may be my shortest email yet i only have three things to say here so here you go i bought the bergman box set and now Ooh. i have nowhere to hide it away from plain view it's so fucking big that's what she said. I usually no. hide the bulk of my movies inside a wine cabinet. I've repurposed mm. into a movie stash where people can't realize how much I've spent. But now it doesn't fit in there. I don't know what to do. Fuck. My second comment here. I was thinking about it and I don't have a Skype or access to Skype. So how are we going to do this for in the mood for love? Phone call? Video chat? I have an iPhone. Uh. Well... I don't know how we're going to do it either at this point because uh, <laughs> Skype has abandoned us. Uh, maybe mm -hmm. uh, they haven't liked our uh, shit talk uh, about them all the time. And they're, and they're uh, being tight with Blumhouse, old Jason Blum. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, uh, I would say definitely for recording a podcast, uh, having a desktop or laptop would be kind of essential. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think if you work at a university college type of campus type deal, uh, I think that should be able to solve that. You can rent yeah. one, rent, or just like get access to an office over there. I hear they've got those, especially over the holiday breaks, because it's looking like, uh, based on our schedule, uh, that uh. mood for love, uh, Frank is going to be early 2019, like first should be the first one, the first one, yeah. 
I think he could very easily, uh, with his employee card, rent a laptop through the library. And then if he can't record it at home, he could even book a room at the library. I'm just guessing based on what our university is like. You can rent laptops. You can rent like you can book rooms for like a couple hours for groups, but you can be in there by yourself as long as you book it. Yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, I want to comment on his first thing. I, too, am familiar with having to hide my possessions from other people. So uh, I feel you, Frank, because, you know, sometimes you don't want people to know that you buy things. And sometimes you have to hide it. And it's a sad world. I now have an entire basement of a house that is solely for my collection. So it can be fully displayed. People just have to come on by now. Take a look. Drink it in. Well, maybe Frank will come one day and I'll I'll drop him off at your house and I'll and I'll never see you again. You or Frank. Oh, Uh, lastly, I realize Mm. that you should trademark the sentence a dump truck full of blank and print it on the fabled Mm. merch. I'm 60 episodes in halfway through and you guys have said it enough to trademark it. Um, Well, I think all that would require is a drum, a dump truck full of money. And uh, mm. all, all those things could happen. How are we going to acquire this said dump truck full of money? <sighs> you got to make that merch. Got to make that merch and we'll be rolling in it. More I've than we already said, are of our Patreon money. Yeah, I've long said we got to make that merch. So uh, we'll make little model dump trucks. Uh, we'll fold them with said product. And we'll uh, blast them out through uh, the woman's uteruses. As Jarrett has been known to do. Yeah, that's a that was a twist. Well, that's what they say in the movie, Jarrett. Yeah. That was the movie you gave me. Yeah. Don't you remember? I hear that. Um, here, uh, thanks for the email, Frank. Yeah. Hey nice RJ. To hear from what? What you been creeping on? Well, Jer, I watched some movies this week. Me too. Uh not a lot. I watched three films for you, but I watched some loosey goosey movies, some nice and light movies for you. Because uh, the vibe in the uh, the old loaf household this weekend was, why don't we watch something nice and light? So uh, we started with uh, a little movie, Jarrett. Uh, do you know a guy named Tom Hanks? I'm aware of Tom Hanks. So here's a little movie directed by Tom Hanks. That's right. His directorial follow-up to That Thing You Do. People never thought he would direct again but he showed them all wrong in 2011's Larry crown. Jarrett, have you ever seen Larry crown? No. And I saw you watch this, but I didn't realize it was a Tom Hanks movie. It is a Tom Hanks movie. So Tom Hanks plays like some, I I feel like they try to like kind of play it off that he's young, like he's 45, but he's very clearly like 68 or so uh so he's a guy who was in the navy for like a while and then he had a job at a quote-unquote walmart type place and uh, he ascended the ranks he went all the way up to manager and he loved his job he was so much fun he was like hey guys don't forget to file those shirts on the racks (laughs) he would do stuff like that uh and then the movie opens and he gets pulled away he thinks he's getting he thinks he's getting employee of the month but he's getting let go because he cannot be hired anymore within the organization because he doesn't hold a college or university degree so he's already ascended to the max point that he can get so they're like we're gonna fire you so we don't have to pay for you to do any of these things so he's got to start over Jared. 
uh, he decides to go to a community college uh, with a, a motley crew of different people in in his classes. You have uh, George Takai as the economics teacher. You have uh, Rami Malik. That's right. The man who is in Bohemian Rhapsody. He's doing all sorts of stuff. He's in there as like kind of a chudly weird dude. Um, you have a gang of moped drivers led by Vilmer Valderrama from that 70s show. Uh, Pam Greer is in this apparently, but I don't remember seeing her. Uh, Brian Cranston plays a deadbeat man uh, married to uh, Tom Hanks's professor that he digs. Can you believe, Jared, that it's Julia Roberts? Wow. So Julia Roberts teaches a class about uh, something. It's some bullshit like informal speaking. And it's just basically getting people to talk about stuff. So Larry Crown's there. He's starting over. He makes friends with young people. He gets a hip makeover. Uh, he, him and Julia Roberts are like getting kind of close. Julia Roberts is dating or married to Brian Cranston, but all he does all day is Google humongous boobs. Uh, I'm not making that up. That is a plot point. Humongous boobs. Um, but you know, it's about growth, Jarrett. It's about reconciliation and it's about starting over. So, uh, Larry Crown, Tom Hanks, he learned something, but would you believe that his teachers, they learn a little bit from him too? Wow. It's that kind of movie. Uh, this is a very like, uh, what's the phrasing for it? Like this wouldn't offend anybody, but I don't, I, I can't see anyone actually liking this movie. Maybe like some old people, like a real old guy who was like, Oh yeah, he's doing what I always wanted to do was, you know, start over. Oh, uh it's very non-offensive it's just you get strapped in and you watch tom hanks drive a moped around for like an hour and a half and like hang out with wilmer valderrama where they're like let's go be good and do good deeds for each other that's what our gang is all about and then they like snap their fingers like west side story style i'm not kidding i'm not i know i usually make stuff up like that but that actually does happen in this movie um so uh that's larry crown uh i thought this was very uh, okay. I mean, I don't like this movie. Mm-hmm. It's not good, but uh, there's definitely a demographic for it. Like, I don't know, old people who are looking for something more. <laughs> and I'm not old, but it's like, I, I, I see like some of the things that people are like, what you get out of this. But uh, yeah, it's not great, Jarrett. Hmm. It's not great. Do you want to watch Larry Crown with me? No. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Hey, Jared, uh, I want to tell you about a movie that I feel like I haven't had a lot of my main man, the fallen son, Mel Gibson, lately. No, you haven't. And I feel like it's the time to bring him back. So after his 10-year banishment from Hollywood, Mel Gibson is back. And he chose to come back in whatever movie would accept him, which was Daddy's Home 2. Featuring your friends, Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. So Daddy's Home 1. I think I talked about that on this uh, podcast. I didn't even finish that movie. Like Andrew and I were watching it. We got halfway through it and like, fuck this movie. This movie sucks ass. (laughs) But it was like late on the weekend. And we were kind of just like, just throw fucking whatever on. We're not even watching anyway. Just throw it on there. So we threw on Daddy's Home 2 because I wanted to watch it for my main man, Mel. 
Uh, it's from the same piece of shit people who made the first one. Uh, so in the first one, um, Will Ferrell, or so Mark Wahlberg and his wa- wife, Linda Cardellini, uh, they're split, but they have kids. And then Will Ferrell is like the stepdad. So Will Ferrell plays like the straight, uh, safe guy. And then Mark Wahlberg's like the dangerous, but unreliable guy. But at the end, they learn to, you know, live together and they have a r- real good thing going. So this movie opens up and you see that Mark Wahlberg and Will, Will Ferrell have uh, a good, good understanding. Like they each do different things to kind of help these kids grow up. And they're both real good dads. And their whole thing in this movie is that they're co-parents. Uh, so this movie takes place at Christmas. It is a Christmas movie. And uh, what you find out is like Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell agree to have a, a joint Christmas, but then both of their, their dads call and say that they want to come for Christmas. So Mel, Mel Gibson is Mark Wahlberg's dad and uh, John Lithgow is Will Ferrell's dad. Uh, I actually think this is pretty good casting on both parts. Uh, John Lithgow works really like him and Will Ferrell will play off of each other really good. And uh, Mel Gibson and Mark Wahlberg is pretty spot on casting for what they're playing in this show. Like they're the same height. They're very similar builds. They have similar mannerisms, like very like stoic and like, I don't know, judgmental, I guess is what I would say. Uh, So I watched this for my main man, Mel. Uh, He's got some pretty, he's got some good lines in here. He's just playing basically a, a grizzled old grandpa who's, who like is a womanizer and, and a drunk. So he's playing Mel Gibson. Yeah. Uh, this movie's okay. Uh, it's not good. It's better than the first one. Actually, that first one's a real piece of shit. So this one actually had some stuff in it that I, I liked. I liked all the stuff with Mel Gibson. I liked all the stuff with John Lithgow. Uh, Mark Wahlberg was a good too. Um, Will Ferrell's really been weighing, weighing on me for the last couple of years. Like, I don't know when it happened. Uh, a lot of people say, I know a lot of people who have, who were always constant Will Ferrell, like deniers, not deniers, but uh, they're like, fuck Will Ferrell. And it's like, Oh really? Why? And it's like, cause he sucks. Uh, I can see it here in this movie. Um, Will Ferrell really sucks in this. Um, I don't know what they're doing. It's there's like a lot of, some scenes are really good. And then there's some really lazy shit. Like there's a lot of stuff with Will Ferrell where it's just, like physical getting hurt comedy, but it's not really funny. So I don't really know who it's for. Like in the opening scene, Will Ferrell's on the playground and he's like, hi, and he's waving. And then a little kid on a swing just like knocks him out. And it's, it's like, okay. And then there's a scene where he's with a snowmobiler and it gets caught up and he's like riding the snowmobiler over the house. And then it falls on the car and he gets real hurt. And it's like, okay. It, I don't know. This feels like, the people who made this really liked national lampoons Christmas vacation. And they're like, let's make a real shitty version of that. Hmm. But let's throw Mel Gibson in there. Um, it's not great. Mel Gibson is cool. Uh, John Lithgow. Uh, he seems like the nicest guy in the world and Mark Wahlberg's pretty good too. But uh, Will Ferrell's a real piece of shit in this movie. Hmm. I, I, like I in don't real know. life. Like in real life, I guess. I don't know. The only thing that I thought was actually really funny is there is a dad gag with the thermostat where one of the kids changed the changes, the thermostat and all the dads come out because it's their dad reflex. Um, I actually thought that was pretty funny and I don't give a shit if anyone disagrees. So there you go. Hey Jared, do you want to hear about the other movie I watched really quick and briefly? Yeah. Okay. 
So I watched a movie from director Stephen Brill. That's right. The man who brought us Mr. Deeds without a paddle. <laughs> Sandy Wexler. Little Nicky. Drillbit Taylor. Yeah. Movie 43. But here's the kicker, Jared. Stephen Brill also directed one of my all-time favorite movies, Heavyweight. Hmm. That's right. So he made this movie called The Do-Over with Adam Sandler. And this is uh, this was the first of that huge Netflix deal with Adam Sandler. So we threw this on because, again, we were just like, just throw what, what, whatever on. We're not really watching. Uh, I remember we tried to watch Sand- Sandy Wexler, and uh, we got like halfway through it halfway through it and we're like fuck how long is this movie and we looked and we were like two hours in and there was like 45 minutes left and we're like holy fuck we're not watching this thing like it's that long it's ridiculous but this one we watched because uh i don't know if i ever mentioned we were watching norm mcdonald's show on netflix which apparently has been canceled because he uh he said i think roseanne got a bad deal or something and Mm. netflix ousted him but uh i don't know if i've ever mentioned i like norm mcdonald he's a good canadian boy I like dirty work. I like his brand of humor. But anyways, uh, David Spade was on Norm MacDonald and uh, he was talking about this movie a lot. So when we were cruising for like garbage to watch, I was like, why don't we just try it? I was like, David Spade was talking about it. I like David Spade. He's pretty funny. So this is like, it's about two high school friends, Adam Sandler and David Spade. And it's 20 years later. The movie starts at their high school reunion. David Spade is living a pretty pathetic life. He's still working the same job that he was working in high school. He is now married to the high school hottie, but uh, she is very unfaithful in front of him. So he married her and took on her, uh, all her debt and her kids, but she still hangs out with like the father of the kids. And he lives kind of like a sad life. Adam Sandler is, allegedly like this FBI agent and he's like a secret agent guy and he comes to David Spade and he's like look your life is shit I can see that I have this plan let's run away we're gonna start a new life in like uh, Costa Rica I think where uh, Frank Solano is from it had a couple it had a couple pretty funny jokes it wasn't bad anyways I'm done okay great because Everything, every moment, everything we breathe on is apparently a, a fine feather here on uh, Google Hangouts. RJ, I watched, I watched some films. I watched uh, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, that Coen Brothers Ethan Coen film that's on Netflix. Is it any good? Uh, mm, it started off really, really good, really good. Uh oh. Like the and first, story, the first story is excellent. The first, this which is um, uh, dude from like Oh Brother Where Art Thou? It's about a singing cowboy. It's an anthology film. I don't know if people are familiar with mm-hmm. this. They probably already watched it. I'm just covering all the ground. It's a Corn Brothers it. film that is now on uh, Netflix because it was originally going to be a TV show, and then that wasn't going to work out, so they chopped it up and they saved it as this anthology film. Uh, so it's very uneven and kind of like not designed as a proper film. I'm sure they would do it otherwise, but they try their best with a framing device of someone reading a book. And these are all short stories of Westerns. So mm-hmm. the, the first story, yeah, you got the same cowboy who's also a sociopath. It's really good. Uh, lots of great old Coen brothers violence. Uh, mm. Second story is uh, you got James Franco. You got Steven Root. 
about mm-hmm. a man who uh, he's kind of an outlaw type, but he's not very good at it. And uh, it's about him getting hung. And then the third story, uh, old Liam Neeson, the hard man himself shows up Ooh. and he's a traveling barkster type uh, with mm-hmm. a armless legless man who is a great orator and they go town to town to make money. Uh, it's a very strange, dark, horrible story. Uh, and it's like quite the change from the previous two. And it's also like quite drawn out and quiet and doesn't feel like the other two. So it's kind of like, oh, that's odd. Mm-hmm. Uh, fourth story uh, features Tom Waits as an old prospect prospector who goes, he's looking for his mother load. Creepo mom. Yeah. And uh, that one's like beautifully shot and it's got that awesome Carter Burwell music. Mm-hmm. Um, but it kind of like just is there. Uh, the fifth story uh, is about a wagon train. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also is like, again, like all these stories are feeling kind of the same. Like there's like no real payoff to anything or like it doesn't, it doesn't feel quite right. Um, but what the Coen brothers do really, really well, which is like casting mm-hmm. uh, great period, specific costuming and stuff like that. Uh, again, Carter Burwell. I'm not sure if Roger Deacon shot this. I doubt it. Uh, there's like kind of this weird, like CGI that's kind of throughout it, but here it works in this cartoonish way. That it's like acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yes, yeah, so like the story, it's a wagon trail story. And like it does, like one of the other things that Coen Brothers uh, do really, really well in their films is like create like tension out of nothing and like really intense, like Jesus, like, like, are, like just, they just manifest it and they make it look effortless. Whereas like so many mm-hmm. other are just bad at it, whereas they just make it look easy. Uh, and then the last story is just like terrible. And just goes nowhere. Uh, a bunch of people riding around in a wagon and they're sharing mm-hmm. stories, but maybe they're in hell or oh. purgatory kind of thing. It's like, I don't know. It doesn't work. And then you're kind of left after it's just like over two hours. And you're kind of like, oh man, this could have been something else that they had like planned on it to be like a film. But the first story is excellent. Um, you could have watched Sandy Wexler in that time. I could have, but I did not. No, it's funny you say that because I remember when this movie, I'm pretty sure this movie had festival premieres. Yeah. And uh, I think a lot of people were like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like it's all right. Some joke about uh somebody on Twitter mentioning it's like, is there someone's like job like because it seems like all these guys come out of the woodwork whenever a Coen Brothers movie come out and they have their like new Coen Brothers ranked list. Um, (laughs) it's just like I'm like, yeah, I I can see that. I mean, this is definitely better than Hail Caesar. Um, it, you mean the worst movie ever made? No, no, no. That, that's another movie. Um, oh. So we, yeah. Spellard Bush Scruggs is like, mm, the first story is great. And then just like diminishing returns from there on it. It's, it's kind of a bummer. Because it started off pretty strong, but alas. Uh, then I followed that up with uh, some very sweaty Joe Spinell in uh, the 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 undertaker uh this is a like pretty well unfinished film because joe spinell died when this movie was being mm. made back in like 1986 1988 or whatever uh this is from vinegar syndrome um it's about a maniac undertaker who's killing people and he like breaks into people's houses that he wants to see dead and they show up at his funeral home and then he can do Ooh. things to them. yeah he's real greasy um and very sweaty here um like i can't 
I was in and out of consciousness watching this. Uh, I was dead tired, um, mm-hmm. but I don't think this movie was doing a whole heck of a lot to keep my interest either. But you can't win them all. It's got a cool slip cover on the Blu-ray. <laughs> How cool! It's like a coffin. That's it. Like it's not that special, actually. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then I also watched Diner, uh, the various. Uh, Levinson film uh, about 1958 guys who are kind of like out of high school and like moving on with their lives, but they still just like want to hang out with one another. It stars like such alumni as uh, Mickey Rourke and Paul Reiser and Kevin Bacon, all, all these dudes uh, in their prime, the usual suspects. Yeah. And like, so I, and after I watched this, I also watched uh, this film called strange invaders um which is from the guy who directed that strange behavior film oh uh, yeah yeah that's a good show kids. yeah that was good this wasn't good this was not mm-hmm. good but like uh, after watching diner and this like there's this like weird like thing i started thinking about um how like in the 80s you had all these directors all these baby boomers who were really obsessed with the 1950s and oh. it's all, it all starts with like american graffiti but like you start thinking about like back to the future and then these films and they're just like I don't know. It's kind of like how here in the 2010s, uh, there's this whole generation of people who are like just making 1980s throwbacks. It's the exact same thing. Um, but it's the new thing. And previous generations did it with the seventies. Um, and one day it'll be, I mean, they're, they're trying to get the nineties going, but it hasn't happened just yet. Uh, and then someday they'll fetishize this era somehow and how great it was in the 2010s and how good we had it. <laughs> I don't think so. It, oh, it's going to happen, buddy. And you're going to nope. be, be mad. You'll have like these posts. God damn it. These fucking throwback movies suck. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what music would define this era. I would say K-pop. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, uh, that's all I'm going to leave you with. K-pop. Yeah. So yeah. Strange Invaders. Uh, it's Aliens, RJ. Ooh, I do like Aliens. Yeah. Uh, but somehow uh, between... Uh, this movie and the next movie I watched, Citizens Band, uh, which is a Jonathan Demi, uh, mm-hmm. who is an alumni of the collection. Um, these movies both star this like Pat Lamat guy, who is the lead actor in the first Puppet Master movie, oh, uh, who's just awful. Like he is like one of the all time worst leading men I've ever seen in a movie, mm-hmm. and, here, and here he is again in this fucking thing. Um, I'm just kind of mm-hmm. bleeding through these movies. Diner was okay. It. Mm-hmm. it like it's a very talking. Oh, Daniel Stern's in it too. He has this great rant about uh, how his wife handles his record collection, and she has the great line of "Who gives a shit?" Very uh, RJ esque. Um, really? And, yeah. And uh, Strange Invaders. Oh yeah, and uh, Mickey Rourke plays a degenerate gambler, which is okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Strange Invaders is uh, an alien invasion happens in a small town, and they're just like observing life and like gathering information that they will then bring back to uh, their mother planet and uh, whatever, because there's like some sort of cataclysm happening there, and they're trying to figure out ways to survive, and they're not having any of it. There's some cool alien effects, like the alien effects are actually awesome, but this movie is just boring. It doesn't mm-hmm. do anything interesting at all. Um, Nancy Allen's in it. It's like got people, but boy. This guy, uh, he, this this director, he didn't really do anything with this material. And just again, this like fifties pastiche. Uh, it's got the guy who plays uh, Mayor Mayor Roger Ebert in the Matthew Broderick Godzilla, and also is the uh, yeah. the movie producer uh, in Barton Fink, who's always talking about that Barton Fink feeling. Uh, I always <laughs> like that guy, but again, he doesn't have too much to do with this. 
This movie is pretty ballless on the whole. Um, it's what ballless. Um, and then okay. I watched Citizens Band, uh, that Jonathan Demi movie, which has got guys like Charles Napier, uh, Pat Lamatt again, uh, Paul Lamatt, this fucking guy. Um, and it's this movie about this small community, rural community that's like super into their CB radio. Remember CB radio, RJ? Uh, I know ham radio. It's the same difference, except CB radio is in your car and you can chat with people. Is that like Joyride, the movie? Yes. Just like Candy Cane. R.I.P. That guy, Paul Walker. Yeah. Well, yeah. Anyway, he he did die. That dude wrapped that Ferrari around that light post. He wasn't even driving, man. I know he was. The other guy. It happens. Shit yeah. happens. Shit happens. Um, so yeah, Citizens Band, what can you say? This is a very 70s film. Uh, my letterbox review saying this movie needed Harry Dean Stanton or Warren Oates, I think says it all. Uh, it's just a hangout movie. A bunch of people hanging out, talking, mm-hmm. chatting, hollering at each other. Uh, <laughs> very 70s, but like doesn't have like that oomph that you kind of want for the that I was hoping for when I signed up watching this thing. So mm-hmm. nothing too great. I feel like a lot of people would say the same thing about this podcast. It doesn't have the oomph that I signed up for. Yeah, well, this is what you get with Google Hangouts. Yeah, I have some things to say, but I'll wait until we're done this uh, preamble, and then I'll talk to you a little bit more off air. Uh huh. Patreons can uh, get a glimpse of that action. <laughs> uh, what else do I want? Okay, so for good things I watched. Mm-hmm. I followed up watching that haunting of Hill house. And <gasps> instead I watched me this French kind of haunted house movie, uh, mini series, three parts called beyond the walls. Hmm. This is on shutter. Uh, last I checked and uh, it is awesome. This is, it checked hmm. so many boxes for me. It's about this woman. And it's kind of this like undisclosed relationship she's in with her husband. There's something happened. Like, you don't know if it's like they've divorced. They never even talk about it. It doesn't really matter, but she's on her own. She's living in an apartment. She's a nurse, pediatric doctor, maybe something like that. Um, But she winds up inheriting this like really elaborate house. That's like across the street from this apartment. She just moved into, which is really weird. And it's been left in the will of this man. She's never met. Mm -hmm. Um, she kind of like goes along with it and she moves into this like big house in the middle of like whatever Paris. Um, and then she's hanging around. There's some sort of trauma in her past that she's dealing with. We don't know exactly what it is. It involves water and maybe someone drowning. Uh, what is it? Well, we'll get there. If you want me to tell you, uh, she finds sure. a hole in the wall of this like very like weird looking wallpaper. Uh, and she starts breaking through the wall, these bricks. And on the other side, she finds a hallway. And then she goes into this hole down the hallway, opens this door. And it's mm-hmm. opening up and opening up. And she keeps going through these rooms. Soon enough, she's traveled such a distance. She's not exactly sure where she's come from. And then she meets this person with a boar. <laughs> and who's just kind of like a what? boar, B-O-A-R, a boar head. <laughs> And it's just like, oh, okay. Like underpants and like shirtless, pantsless, and just kind of like menacingly walking <laughs> toward her. And she proceeds to start running. And it's just like, where is she? And um, mm-hmm. she winds up finding another a guy, a, a normal guy who's apparently knows his way around wherever space that she's found herself in. 
And uh, apparently she's now trapped inside this house that just keeps opening up and opening up and opening up ahead of her. There's these candles everywhere. Um, there's something like kind of like, I mean, they call them the others or there's other people kind of beings that are also lost inside this house and they're all just wandering around too and you don't know exactly what they want to do but it seems like the longer you spend in there the less you desire food and water and you just kind of become resigned to this house that you're in and so you follow the adventures of this woman and this guy that she's found as they try to get out of this house that just and they can't get back to the part they were in when she started and they just keep going either deeper higher lower they try all sorts of stronger yeah um but yeah this was like i thought this was fantastic hmm. uh, only like cgi in it is a little bit of compositing of the house itself that they put into like downtown paris in this like open lot mm -hmm. uh, everything else is practical effects uh it shows that uh one of the creepiest thing is probably like naked old dudes just in black mm -hmm. paint that's pretty spooky hey jared they don't talk they don't move when are you going to watch Hereditary? I don't know. Uh, I was thinking about watching it this week, but then I watched Beyond the Walls instead. And I really like Beyond the Walls, so Hereditary better live up to this next week. I'm not saying that it lives up to anything. I just... Next week. There's next a lot of stuff. You're watching all these haunted house movies, and Hereditary is not a haunted house, but... So, quit bringing it up. But there's, there's so much overlap. I just... Sure. Go watch that fucking thing. Yeah, okay. Quit, quit, quit spoiling things, man. Just go watch it. Uh, I watched a short film called Vape. Ugh. Yeah. We don't need to talk about that. No, we don't. Uh, I did watch a short film, though. Mm, baby. So uh, I watched this little short film called Gwilliam. Gwilliam? Gwilliam. Uh, I feel like so, I've heard of this before. Yeah, so over on the uh, that Shockwaves podcast, uh, mm -hmm. they've had they've had the director of this come on. He's a this is a short film. It's on Vimeo. You can't just watch it for free though. You got to pay to play. Uh, mm -hmm. And I finally broke down. And essentially, RJ, uh, this is a story about uh, a little goblin that gives blowjobs. Mm. That's as simple he as it is. It's five minutes long. I've what? Okay, you say what you want to say about William, and then I'll uh, I'm gonna tell you what I think about this, knowing only just that baseline reaction mm. that you had. Uh, this thing is like like so well made, RJ. It's like five minutes long, and uh, it like I I I made Chanel watch it. Mm -hmm. Like I'm like it's only five minutes. She's like, what if I don't want to watch it all? I'm like, dude, it's gonna go by so fast. She's watching it, and then just as like she's like getting really into it, the credits hit, and she's like, what? It's not five minutes. I'm like, yeah, yes, it is. And I I showed the display showing it was like as long as I said. She's like, oh my god. I'm like, yeah. Usually you watch short films, and sometimes you watch like a six minute one, and it feels like twenty minutes, even if it's like mm -hmm. good. And this thing just whoosh, blows right by. <laughs> it's so good. It's awesome. William, that's all I've been thinking about. <laughs> I think the idea is such horseshit. It seems so try hard where it's like, it's a goblin that gives blow jobs. It's like, Ooh, man, that's so edgy. Look at you. Look at you guys go. Oh boy. You're, you're sure you're sure doing stuff. No one else is trying. I, I realize you like this a lot, but I just, I, I have a, 
I have a, a problem with the fundamental concept of what they're doing here. And it's like, fuck you. <laughs> Sight unseen. Um, no, there's like an element like this fits into the school of like Tim and Eric, uh, greasy strangler stuff. Um, it's like, these are all like in some ways descendants of uh street trash, okay. but, uh, th th this is like, my type of cinema like you can actually watch his uh one short film he made with his wife uh, i guess he's probably made all these films with his wife called crow hand and mm. it literally lives up to exactly what you expect it um I, I i don't know listening to the guy lalonde i think his name last name is mm -hmm. uh seems like a really sweet guy uh and like he's just into this and he just like has stupid ideas and he's just like he thinks about something and goes i'm gonna make that film and he shoots it and there's no pretense it's just literally what it is uh they're mm. they're fairly well shot and made like for like considering like how little money there is. And I find it interesting that he's gone about this idea of like having a pay window instead of like, you just like people just watching your video for free and you're like, cool. I get nothing out of this. You actually make money off of it by just from word of mouth. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like, that's nice that he's figured out this system and it's probably working out well for him better than like going viral. And like, no one gives a shit. Like no, like, you're, no one's going to give you a job because it's like, Oh, I'm the guy who made the, blowjob goblin film make where's my blumhouse check please mm. i guess new guy's not going to ever make movies like that anyone is going to be like oh i'm gonna see that at the the cineplex i'm not that's not going to happen uh which is interesting the guys just making these weird little short films uh very i mean they're intensely quirky and uh goofy and stuff like that which is okay uh, I, I feel like he's he's this is what he actually wants to make he likes this type of thing so it doesn't have it's not like um too many cooks which I feel mm. is that, which is funny because actually the old guy that is in William is also in Too Many Cooks. Of course he is. But, but of course, when I was watching William, I was like, that guy looks familiar. Like I've seen him in a Tim and Eric thing. And then I was like looking up, I'm like, oh, that's where he came from. Um, so, I mean, come on. He's, he, they jumped on him before he got real hot. Mm. No. I'm not sold on it, Jared. I don't, I don't even particularly like the idea. <laughs> I'm not going to watch it. That's fine. You, you'd have to pay to see it. Well, that's one thing that we definitely won't do. Unless the Patreons kick in for me to watch it. Yeah. Um. I mean, also, uh, the, one of the, the best things, the second best thing I watched this week, uh, I posted on the Facebook group. Uh, there's a clip of Garth Brooks addressing Facebook for the very first time. Okay. Uh, from Okay, wait, I got what you don't know about this infamous Garth Brooks video. I know nothing about this thing. Okay. So this is, uh, this is well-treaded ground here, Jared. Never seen this thing so, until today. So, uh, the boys at mega 64, which is like a video game, YouTube yeah. channel, uh, yeah. we pretty popular. Mm -hmm. They've been covering this for years. Wow. Uh, Rocco, uh, he made his own version of this thing where he's talking about, doing neat stuff cool stuff slick stuff mm -hmm. uh he's talking about he they have a parody video of that um so they've been talking about garth brooks for a long time and then recently in the last couple months uh well-known comedian tom segura of netflix fame <laughs> he has also caught on to the garth brooks uh social media is and uh, one video or is there like a whole like a bunch of these things is there more, more than this 
it's the one in particular, but uh, it has expanded to like everything that he does. So it's that one where he's like in his hotel bed yeah. talking about like, uh, you know, I was skeptical at first, uh, but pe- I had a friend who told me it was like about sharing experiences with people. And then, so is that one at first? And then it's all the ones where he's talking about getting physical playing music, but yeah, so it was mega 64 first. And then uh, recently Tom Segura, uh, he has a pretty popular podcast. Now he's talking about it a lot. Uh, every new Garth Brooks thing is on there, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah. And now we're doing it. Now we're we doing can, it. We can make our own Garth Brooks video. Neat stuff. Cool stuff. Slick stuff. Raw. Raw. We're going to get physical. What, what I find interesting because it's like when you listen, the more you listen to it, the better it gets because there's this like, delivery of the way he says a lot like words mm-hmm. it's like this guy's like a professional performer like he's a singer he knows how to like accentuate words and like p- do that and so in this though it's just like so weird it's like why does he want to do this mm-hmm. why, why does he want to do this way it's it's baffling and it's like you know you don't think about garth brooks that often these days um um you might not <laughs> but it's uh yeah, no, it's funny. Um, the Segura podcast with him and Christina Pajitsu, his wife, they talk a lot about how he has like lots of uh, like serial killer traits where it's all about him like feigning smiles, like pretending. It's like he he comes off as a guy who's like pretending to be nice and it's very uh, disingenuine. So yeah, the mask of sanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Garth Brooks, he's a crazy guy. Yep. But, uh, you know, Baton Rouge, that's a hell of a song. Hmm. See, look at that. The, the, no, the, the internet's a big, uh, big place. It's very open, and things like this can slide by some and just p- find weird places, and they pop up years after the fact. Yeah. Well, if you were into all the hip stuff that I was into, you would know about it. But uh, alas, it only takes right to the game. You know what? my my memeology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're an old man. Yeah. Hey, uh, RJ, got any news you want to talk about? Did you see that humongous cow? That yeah. gigantic Holstein steer? I, I, I sent it to you and everything. Yeah. So it, it I got, a, isn't that a bull? Isn't that no, a it's bull? a steer. Okay. So uh, so what happens, Jarrett, with uh, the male calves? See, so when you have a calving season, have calves. Uh, the heifers are fine. You don't have to do anything with them. But when you have the bull calves, unless you're like raising bulls or anything like that, most people will put like bands on them, rubber bands uh, that just like castrate them. And then you sell them as steers. So uh, this bad boy uh, is a steer. He has no nuts. Uh, and he is a monster. So I've seen a lot of Holsteins. Uh, Holsteins are usually super tall. They're way taller than other breeds. Fucking enormous. They're monsters. And that's the one that uh, those like hurt, injure and kill more people than any other like breed is Holstein bulls. Cause the Holstein cows are really timid and they're like, you can go up and like talk or like touch them and all that shit. But uh, the bulls are like super aggressive and mean anyways, that was a huge uh, steer. And uh, I got sent that by three separate people. I bet. And I didn't realize it was real until like later in the day. And I was like, wait a minute, this is fucking real. So I had to reply to everyone. I was like, holy shit. What's going on here? Before I sent it to you, I I try to vet my sources to make sure I wasn't getting uh, brought in on some elaborate uh, hoax. 
Well, I looked at it and my first thought was like, well, how big are all the other ones? Like sure. all the other calves. Cause if they're just calves, they could be like two feet. Mm-hmm. So a six foot, cause he, he's six foot, right? Yeah. So a six foot steer is going to look fucking enormous next yeah. to like a two foot calf, two, yeah. three foot calf. But anyways, yeah, he's a big boy. That's my news. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, I would, I have no news and I just want to move on and get the hell out but, of this, this hell of recording this episode. So, uh, Hey, we got, we have a movie to talk about. We'll try. Uh, after the break, God willing, um, fuck Beatles. There are places I'll remember all my life. Though some have changed, some forever, not for better. Some have gone and some remain. All these places have their moments. With lovers and friends, I still can recall. Some are dead, and some are living. In my life, I've loved them all. Beatles. We need protection. Get me protection. The ring. She's not wearing the sacrificial ring. In the name of science, I demand that ring. They expect me to cut my finger off. So, the police are extended, giving the famous protection for which we are justly proud in this country for a finger, eh? Hands up. Hands up. Quick, quick. Will John live to sleep in his pit again? Will Paul ever get back his electric organ? George be reunited with his ticker tape machine. And Ringo, will he ever play the drums again? Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! I need someone.
And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast. And tonight we're talking about Help from 1965, directed by Richard Lester. Uh, this might drive some laser disc uh, aficionados crazy because we are skipping over some movies that we mm. could talk about because they are later on in the Criterion Creeps collection proper, mm -hmm. but they also appear here now in the Criterion laser disc order. But, you know, help it... Uh, not, it has no release yet. And the only reason I'd even consider it is because Magnificent Ambersons kind of fucked it up because yeah. uh, when we did that episode, it wasn't out on Blu-ray, which actually was this very week. Um, mm -hmm. So instead of talking about Lola Montez and uh, The Graduate, here we are. We made some executive decisions. Uh, RJ didn't care. Listener Oliver didn't care. So I was like, fine, here we are. We'll talk about help. Everyone loves the Beatles, right? I got to say, I think we made the right call because I think the Laserdisc series should be criteria, uh, Laserdisc only. And I realize that there's like movies we've covered that are also in the Laserdisc. I don't think those count. And I think Magnificent Amberson being added after the fact, I don't think that counts either. So if help gets added to the Criterion in like two months, whatever. Yeah, we, we apparently made it happen if that happens. Yeah, it wouldn't be the first time. We do a lot of things on this podcast. But yeah, I think we're doing the right thing. So so if you're listening to the uh, Criterion Laserdisc playlist, that's why. I'm sorry. Hey, what's the tagline of this film, RJ? Help? Stop worrying. Help is on the way. Oh. And the synopsis of this film. Musical comedy adventure starring the Beatles about an obscure Asian cult that believes in human sacrifice as they pursue Ringo after he accidentally put on their victim ceremonial ring. He is pursued by the cult, a pair of mad scientists, a member of a side cult that no longer believes in human sacrifice, and the London police who are trying to help. So, RJ, hmm. how do you feel about the Beatles? I thought you might ask that. Uh, I'm going to be completely honest. I got nothing to lose. Um, I think the Beatles are fine. We were more of a Beach Boys family, uh, more and an Elvis family ourselves. That's who my dad listened to. He liked the Beach Boys and Elvis, which I hold are pretty high quality musicians. People don't give the Beach Boys as much credit as they deserve. It wasn't all that surfer stuff. Ah, uh, that's a. Beach Boys get plenty of love. Those Beach Boys and Beatles, they were like uh, in the Rolling Stones. Those three were all like in hot competition trying to like make the best album ever for like years. In yeah, but the Rolling Stones suck though. Uh, okay, see, there goes your credibility. Yeah, oh. see, go listen to that Gimme Shelter episode. I know. <laughs> you, you can hear why they're very overrated. Hey, where, where's the Beach Boys uh, film in the Criterion Collection? Hmm? Uh, wait till that John Cusack movie gets added. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that once. Anyways, uh, yeah, so we were more of a Beach Boys family, but I mean, I know the Beatles. I like the Beatles. They got good stuff. Uh, I think a lot of their music, like, it appeals to younger audiences because it's very, there's they got good melody and they got good rhythm and it's catchy stuff. But then when you get older, you like, you're, you like pull more from it. And then you have people who are like, oh man, there's like so much like, like layers in this stuff and you get those dudes too that are like too into the Beatles and you're like all right settle down a little bit um and I think I've seen a lot of those people I think there's a lot of Beatles fans who I say this all the time but it's it's true it's kind of like fight club fans <laughs> where it's like it's the same kind of like fanboy like 
passion for the band or like for something which it's like yeah that's great i love that you 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 love something so much but at the same time your enjoyment of this and your obsession over it brings the quality of that thing down for me fight club fans ruined fight club for me <laughs> same with scarface fans and uh not as much because i still enjoy the beatles but uh you know beatles fans are pretty close they're pretty fucking close on there where it's like, Hey, settle down. You're ruining it for everyone. Anyways. Yeah. I mean, I don't entirely disagree with what you're saying. Um, mm -hmm. so my experience with the Beatles was, I guess like my mom is kind of like, I was a passing fan of the Beatles. She'd be like, Oh yeah, they're pretty good. I guess my, uh, aunt who's my mom's older sister. Uh, mm -hmm. she like was, a like totally the perfect age to be like a super psycho fan. Like that would seem like whatever hysteria descended this Beatle mania. Uh, mm -hmm. Like that was a real thing. Um, but I'll never understand that. But I mean, it's just like, I don't know. Beatles are like, I, I, I like them. Uh, I've got a hand, good handful of their key albums. I like that white album. Um, what about that red album? The, uh, like one. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I I got that when that when that re-release came out. Uh, I got that for Christmas the one year, and then I want to say I got that also that Elvis one album. So I listen to those often. Um, those were my introductions to that fifties and sixties sound. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, I, I I like the Beatles fine. When I listen to like when they're like their big pop number one songs come on, they're incredibly catchy, and there's a reason why they've like lasted and tested the like time like there's continuous um sure so that being said um i've i'd never seen help before Wait, uh, let me stop you for a second have you seen any of these beetle movies yes i have seen hard day's night okay. uh, that's the only one i've seen i've never seen yellow submarine uh mm -hmm. i've never seen let it be which is like i think more like i don't even know a concert film mm -hmm. uh, there might be another one but who cares uh but i have seen hard day's night and uh i never re like it's one of those movies that like it's on so many lists like great mm -hmm. film lists great concert film lists and stuff like that and i've always like i only had ever seen it once and i was like i just can't justify buying this thing like i could mm -hmm. never like i'm just like i like the beatles fine in audio form but like in video i'm like i just i just can't do it and yellow submarine i have like no interest in it uh you know why because i can answer that for you do you know why because i'm not a drug addict or butthead or like in, into that man yeah exactly you're not like a shrooms head and you're not one of those toxic beatles fans that's like yellow submarine is like the most amazing track of all time man yeah it's a lot of, it's a lot of those types yeah, yeah I'm, a, I'm the square I'm, i'd be on the square side of the beatles mm -hmm. fans uh but we'll get into that so uh yeah uh beatles i'm like fine with uh, going into help, I was kind of like, oh, cool. This should be like, whatever, a mm -hmm. fine piece of 60s kitsch stuff. Yeah. And it basically was that. But holy shit, RJ, this is awful. <laughs> wow. Why don't you hit me with some real talk? Um, yeah, I hated this more nice. than I could ever expect to uh dislike a movie any wow. any any film in the criterion collection uh that we've watched at uh, laser disc or proper um I, this I, is the, your low point out of anything 
Uh, it's like this and chasing Amy, man. Uh, oh, I, wow. I would have to put this like a little bit above maybe chasing Amy, but because uh, that movie just makes me angry. This one, I just like, this just sucks. Like, I, I am not, it's not funny. There's like these mm-hmm. like musical interludes that are like, like, I guess the best part because it's just the music, but I don't mm-hmm. get to like watch this thing it's because it's like not even good music videos like some of the camera work and like lighting is so bad at times where you're just like why is this shot this way why is this out of the focus anyway so yeah mm-hmm. this, I, I this is just not funny and like there is nothing worse than like an, a straight up unfunny comedy and that's what this is um the the music i was kind of reading about this on wikipedia just because i'm like well i better find something to talk about because i'm just gonna fucking like not give a crap about this because i didn't like it one bit Mm-hmm. Um, it's so like there's like this whole like comedy strain in uh, the UK. It's like the the Goon Show is what it was called with like Peter Seller and stuff like that. And that's what this was just doing. Like it's like that British slapstick humor mm-hmm. that like mm-hmm. like a decade like within about five ten years you get like Monty Python, which like is a little bit more on the cerebral side and is also like arguably not aged well for many and like some people never got into it whatsoever um and there's parts of like the monty python bits that are like not great but at least like there's things in it that are like pretty great because i don't know it's still pretty smart stuff this though man this is just fucking dumb as shit um <laughs> like i so anyway and oh yeah the number one the beatles are fucking horrible actors like they're yeah, sure they're bad the best yeah. actor among them is ringo star who's actively one of the most ugly men <laughs> ever like he's mm-hmm. oh, he's so ugly george harrison it plays creepy uncle spock who just he's like barely in this like i yeah. don't think he wanted to be anywhere near this crap which is funny because he winds up becoming this film producer with handmade films in producing like time bandits and uh like jordorowski stuff and like getting involved in all these other things like he does good work and he has like and i'd say he probably has the best overall solo career mostly because he didn't get shot either and so well <laughs> he's dead though that's what i mean he, he, but okay. he's dead now but i mean he he got more legs than uh, john lennon did and paul mccartney no thanks um mm-hmm. so yeah this looks like crap uh for the most part there's like the only thing i think that i'll ever remember about help is the the bit where they get out of their car after being on tour or wherever the fuck they're doing and they're walking into their townhouse and they go in four separate doors and they go in and on the other side it's just one gigantic house and it's a very like stylish 60s goofy house and paul mccartney sits down in front of a piano with some dc comics laid out in front of him and john lennon starts reading a bunch of books uh, the same books on himself Mm-hmm. Um, and then Ringo's got this ring on his finger and he goes to get a sandwich and this woman's on the other side trying to bite his finger off to get this ring because there's a there's a plot RJ there's a plot about like this like I don't know I call this like this would be like a racist depiction of like I don't know Asian people of like oh, Indian Asian people I, I got one for you keep oh, going okay and uh, like usually I'd probably watch a t- this type of movie and it would be like oh a James Bond movie who cares like this is like stuff that people get upset about and this is just like this is just shit lazy humor um and it's oh and it turns into just like a james bond spoof and uh hot take here folks i don't like james bond movies very much i mm-hmm. think i think they're amongst the most 
they're like Beatles for other people. They're like Fight Club, where it's like overhyped like stuff where like dads are really into it, and then people are like I want to be like a dad, and I'm going to really like James Bond too. But those movies, are, for the most part, are not very good. And this is like a parody of that. So it's like, oh, good. <laughs> uh, an unfunny comedy on mm -hmm. like a spy spoof. And it's like, I, I, this, this was never going to ever win me over ever. Good. Um, yeah. And here, so I don't know. This is also is like another piece of like artless cash in bullshit. Because the Beatles are popular. I'm not sure if you're aware of that, RJ. They are a pretty popular uh, act in their heyday. Allegedly. Yeah, you know, uh, they, they they sold a couple albums and uh, people would just probably go to theaters and watch anything with them. And this is exactly what this felt like. Um, oh, and uh, the Wikipedia, our entry on this, RJ, will tell you in no uncertain terms between this and the Beatles anthology, which uh, you probably never watched, but I got to watch as it played on ABC back in the day. It was like a, whatever, a 10 hour long documentary about the history of the Beatles. Yeah. Uh, that like the Beatles were all on drugs. They were all on the marijuana making this movie. They were so high and they were up there. Oh man, they're so high. RJ, they were, they were on drugs flying to the Bahamas. Isn't that crazy? Cause like when this information was coming out, it was like edgy to talk about this and like, be like, this is a talking point uh, that I noticed even in letterbox reviews, people like, Oh man, they're so high when they were making this. And I'm like, Oh, that's good. That makes for a great movie. Um, no, it doesn't. Good. I yeah, RJ, what did what did you think of help? Jared, I have to say that I am surprised by your reaction, your response to this movie. I mean, I never I can't say that I thought you would love this thing, but I didn't think you would be as negative as you are. That said, I thought help was kind of fun for wow. the most part. So here here's here's my rub, Jared. I think the first 30 minutes is actually really entertaining and I liked it quite a bit and I'll, and I'll explain to you why. And then I think that this, the next hour, cause it's not a long movie. It's an, it's 90 minutes. Yeah. There's 30 minutes I think is actually pretty good. The next 60 minutes turns into the stuff that I think you don't like where it's, it's, it's very like it's long drawn out music videos and it really loses its steam where they, I feel like they start with a story and they build up to it a little bit. And then they're like, mm, we're not ready to end it yet. Let's just kind of like go on a little bit more. And it's like, all right, do we have anything to talk about? And some guys like probably no, nah, not really. It's like, all right, let's just film whatever, whatever. But I actually do enjoy the first 30 minutes. And here's why Jared. I really like the quirky stylistic stuff that they do in this movie. There's a lot of set and production things that I like. Like, as you said, when they walk into the townhouse townhouse doors and it's the same, I thought that was super neat. And then I think that like that scene that unfolds for the next five minutes, there's a lot of stuff I like uh, where Paul McCartney is on like a piano that gets raised through an elevator while he's reading comic books. John Lennon's in this like weird step down nook in the middle of the floor uh they have all these vending machines around i was like hey it's so quirky it's a quirky it's so much fun look how much fun they're having Jarrett. because i think it's like it's kind of self-aware but also self-referential referential where it's making fun of it 
itself where when they go into the townhouses, the people are like, oh, look at them. They're like, they're no different from before they were famous, such down to earth guys. And then uh, I think it's George Harrison goes in his room and he like yells at that guy. He's like, do it, do it now. He doesn't say that, but like it's implied. And there's a guy who like winds up those uh, chattering teeth and the chattering teeth just start like cutting the carpet. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. bizarre. So quirky, Jarrett. Uh, but I actually kind of liked it. Um, at the start, you get the Satanists who are like, or like the pagans, whatever you would want to, whatever they're called in this movie. Holly cult. They're like uh, the thuggy cult, like in Temple of Doom. Sure. So the the Satanists, Jarrett, uh, you get their intro and they have a botched sacrifice and that's fine. That's not like anything special. But I actually kind of like the intro there where they're like, why didn't our sacrifice work? And then it cuts to like a music video of the Beatles. And I think there's something kind of like super funny about Satanists watching music videos to me that I just really like that idea. And I was like, oh, that's that's nice. Look how much fun this is, Jared. Are you having fun yet? Mm-hmm. Yeah, are you having... So anyways, I, I liked that. Um, and then I think it does get into like kind of ridiculous slapstick humor. There's a lot of that. Like not even like Benny Hill, Monty Python stuff. There's some stuff. There are a few gags that go even beyond that. But there were a few that I actually really liked. Uh, so first is the when they explain how there were five attempts to steal the ring and it kind of breaks it down where it's like one and it show, it's like a title card where it's, it goes one through five. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the one that I really like where Ringo is uh, mailing some letters and he puts his hand in the mailbox and there is a Satanist, paganist, thuggy, whatever in the mailbox and he tries to steal the ring. And my mind went immediately to Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, when he is tracking down the Super Bowl rings of the Miami Dolphins and he is in the mailbox. And that was always one of my favorite gigs as a little kid. And I was like, hey, I wonder if that gag from Ace Ventura might be from this movie Help. It's possible. Maybe it's from something else. I don't know. But I liked it. Uh, I also liked uh, when they go to dry their hands and the hand dryers are in reverse and they're like super vacuums and it's sucking all the sleeves off of people. I kind of thought it was funny that it was, it was just sleeves that were getting sucked off. Even when they, they're not close to it. I was like, I like that. It's funny stuff, Jared. Hey Jared, are you having fun yet? Anyways, uh, I liked when they got sawed through the floor. I thought that was pretty fun. Uh, this movie is actually like kind of super racist to the orientals quote unquote mm-hmm. where when they're like trying to get the ring off and it's like they went to the uh the closest oriental uh i got a screen grab of that maybe i'll put it out on the internet uh i was like whoa some pretty rough stuff here beetles uh this movie has some awesome product placement uh there is a pretty sick v8 juice ad in this thing i don't know why it's there but there's a lot of it <laughs> Um, what else are we talking about? Uh, we got some bagpipe assassins. I think those guys are pretty cool. Uh, where they're like playing bagpipes and then out of nowhere, like steam and like red liquid comes out of the bagpipes. I was like, I like that. I like bagpipe assassins. That's pretty neat. Uh, you get a Zeppelin stunt, which seems 
less than efficient. I don't really know why they thought that was going to work. Even in this slapstick world, it's like, it's not a funny gag. I don't think it's dated. I don't think it was funny at the time. Just kind of like, whatever. Uh, and that's the same with like, when there's the stunts where it's like the stuntman and stuntman in the trunk. It's like, it doesn't really make sense. Are the Beatles that quirky that uh, he like opens the trunk and he's like, oh, hey. And instead of getting out of the trunk, then George Harrison like removes the tire. And it's like, are they that quirky and like laid back that he's like, I'm not going to get out of the trunk until you take the tire off because we are so much fun. There's a, I get what you mean. There's jokes like that where even when I was watching it, I was like, nah. I'm not I'm not super interested in this. And uh, so I like the first 30 minutes. I kind of like the setup with those cool sets and like some of the jokes they do. But then it does lose me. I don't like all of the slapstick jokes where it's the stuff that just doesn't really. It, it's like, I don't know if this would have played in the 60s. It doesn't play now where it's like, why are they doing that? Why are they doing this? That's that's really elaborate for no reason. But um, I don't know. Uh, there are a few things that I thought was funny, like when Ringo is doing karate and he's like facing no one and he's just like, huh, 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 and he's like hitting the air. I thought that was really funny. I don't know if that was supposed to be funny, but I liked it. Uh, I also liked their disguises. And uh, John Lennon is uh, disguised as like a dirty hobo. And he's got a huge beard and like moon glasses. And I was like, oh, shit. So that's where that book came from. They like dressed him up as a dirty hobo and he's like, Hey, I like this. That's a good look. But I didn't, I didn't think you would hate it. Uh, I thought it was kind of fun and quirky, but for half an hour, not an hour, uh, not 90 minutes, Oh man, 30 minutes, like 30 minutes was yeah, fine. Perfect. 90 minutes after 30 minutes, it turns into, there's a lot of really long drawn out scenes and then music video. And then long drawn out scenes and then music. Video. And then we're in a field and being shelled forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's they're like, I don't know. It does. After 30 minutes, there's not much there. So I agree with you. I, I didn't hate it. I didn't even dislike it. I thought it was fine. Um, but I do think it's 30 minutes. Awesome. Stop watching there. The, the rest of the 60 minutes, it's just like, eh, just watch a music video. You'll be fine. And then everything else in between is irrelevant. Uh, I, I will say, though, that the most upsetting thing I saw in this movie was seeing all the Beatles in jeans, like denim jeans. Oh, yeah. and that that's It was really unsettling for me because it was like, uh, these guys shouldn't be wearing jeans. They're just a couple. They're just hanging out. They're just a couple of guys. Just a couple dudes in their denim jeans, baby. Yeah, I remember that. So um, I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> I uh, I know you're excited for this to be added to the Criterion collection. Yeah. Proper. One day. So anyways, uh, I didn't dislike it as much as you. Mm. Uh, I thought it was fine. But uh, I do see why it would lose a lot of people. It does. It loses steam really fast because, uh, like I said, 30 minutes, I was on board. And then right after like 30 minutes, I was like, Oof. I was like, I'm not as interested in this anymore um, because they run out of run out of places to go. It's very quirky. It's very slapstick. 
some of the jokes I thought were really funny, but uh, a lot of them don't land at the same time. So what are you going to do? That's comedy, man. That's why we do this show. Comedy is weird. Yeah, it's always it's uh, it's the worst sometimes. <laughs> um, can be. Yeah, so I, I mean, I had to follow this up with a film where uh, it's about like a beetle being killed to make myself feel better. So I watched uh, Chapter 27. Hmm. Uh, this is a, a now kind of I guess it was a controversial film when it came out back in 2007. Are you are you do you remember this one, RJ? Not at all. Oh wait, is that the fat Jared Leto movie? Yeah, where he plays Mark Chapman, the guy who yeah. killed John Lennon. Yeah, I watched that. Uh, it had been on. I had a digital file of this on my PS3 from like ages, ages ago, and when I was like on a true crime kick, and I'm like, oh, I should should watch that. This is a real sad bastard movie, mm-hmm. and uh, I just never did. And then it popped into my mind uh, this week, and I went, oh yeah. I'm definitely going to watch that because I guarantee that as like not good as that movie probably is, it's way better than help. And it was, mm-hmm. uh, even though it wasn't that good, just like I predicted. Uh, so this movie, um, it's legendary for the fact that it was made and a lot of people, they really hold that John Lennon up in reverie, like how great of a human being. Oh, he yes. And uh, the fact that someone killed him, uh, <laughs> they just like, why are you glorifying this crime? They have no problem with like, the rest of like all of true crime genre, but this, this one they don't like. So mm-hmm. uh, the guy who made this, uh, this is the only film he's made at this point. The only film he's written at this point. Um, it's based on a book uh, where the guy interviewed Mark Chapman, who's in jail, obviously still um, is never getting out. Um, and Jared Leto plays Mark Chapman. And uh, one thing to note is Mark Chapman was a big doughy fat nerdy looking guy. Mm-hmm. And Jared Leto isn't exactly that. But Jared Leto didn't let that stop him. He so, tried. Um, as, oh, as Wikipedia uh, lets us know, he would eat uh, a liter of microwaved ice cream with mm. olive oil and like soy. Huh. Uh, every night, he gained 67 pounds for the role. Uh, apparently, he got gout as a result. Nice. And, and uh, apparently, he needed like a wheelchair to get around, which is bizarre but i guess it's like when a, when a person actually gains weight they actually are also gaining the musculature to carry that said weight around uh they get the frame of it which is like kind of why jared leto looks really weird in this because he just looks like a guy who's like gained a bunch of weight weirdly and they, they make sure there's like lots of money shots of his like gut and they're always like making sure it's like see that's a guy's real gut jared leto really did this he's he's so method mm-hmm. uh, he's, the, he's like the real method man um so yeah this tells the story of mark chapman this like weirdo who uh whose goal his his big goal was i'm gonna i'm gonna kill john lennon and uh and you get to watch him set out and do that it's like kind of set uh you know in december 1980 right around christmas so it's very seasonal uh lindsey lohan uh shows up in this yeah she's she's a fan also of john lennon her character um yeah this is like a very unsympathetic uh look at mark chapman just being a like fucking weirdo and uh like there's no redeeming qualities there's no like anything to root for about this guy which is good i guess Mm -hmm. um so it's like kind of like not a fan favorite film i'm sure um because like i mean it doesn't give him any light or like cut him any slack it's like well you know he was mentally ill doesn't do that it doesn't allow mm-hmm. for it it just tells uh it just tells the story as it is now whether or not this story needs to be told 
I don't know. Maybe it doesn't. Um, but uh, yeah, Jared Leto, I got to laugh as he like heavily breathed through scenes and shuffled around. Looked a lot like uh, some people I see at a comic book store I work at. Mm. There, there's 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 a there's a physical type uh he achieves that and i see a lot of people on uh letterbox doing a lot of fat shaming uh talking about this type of people and greasy creepy dudes everywhere and like it's like oh these people are so mean uh but uh yeah maybe maybe they deserve it if they're all mark chapman's uh on wow. the on the inside i don't know maybe they're all just, root, just waiting for that opportunity to fly to new york and kill somebody there too I don't know. Jared Duncan, maybe they deserved it. Me? What? (laughs) That's what you said. Maybe they deserved it. Maybe they deserve this scorn. Well, you heard it here first. Jared hates most of the people in the world. Most of the people. That's true. I mean, I'm the only person who probably really hates this movie. There's a few people who agree. Most of the people I follow, they they all are into this movie. They seem to like it. Yeah, I thought it was fine. Man, oh man. So, um, yeah, man. Uh, I have not much to say about help. I, I'm not in the. I'm not in a position to have to defend this film. I'm just. It's I'm funny. on the offense. This movie, yeah, it's not funny. Uh, it's it's, to- it's a real relic of its time, but that doesn't. Mm. You know, I have to like it or forgive it. Uh, this was painful. I never have to watch it again. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to moving on, moving past this thing. I think that's fine, man. I talked about it. I, I gave it the. Uh, I highlighted some positives. I think you're in the clear. Yeah. Yep. I yeah. think you are in the clear. Okay. Excellent. Well, RJ, I'm going to talk a little bit about the people who hate this film. That hate and it? Hate it. Rightfully so. Sure. <laughs> uh, Sha Wajing. Okay. Half a star. Utter crap. <laughs> hmm. Well, I mean, they don't have horrible tastes, but it is pretty basic. Yeah. Seven Samurai, Empire Strikes Back, Spirited Away, and Pulp Fiction. So that's a that's a Starbucks and UGG boots kind of uh, kind of like there. Ooh, they gave five stars to Quiet On. No, Whoa. thank you. Oh, five stars to the room. They're ironic. Look how much fun they have. So I got here uh, David Pierce with a lengthy one, and I think it covers the bases for me. One and a half star. Now see what you've done with your filthy Eastern ways. I I feel the Beatles themselves are their greatest downfall in this film. None of them are incredible actors, nor do any of them seem interested in acting. So as a result, the only interesting element of this film is shoved to the background in favor of a very flimsy and racially uncomfortable story involving human sacrifice and Eastern religion. It's obvious that after a hard hard day's night, Richard Lester quickly discovered, as did everyone else, that Ringo is the only mildly talented actor of the bunch. While he can act to a certain degree, it doesn't make up for his awful comedic timing and charisma on screen. This means that Ringo is simultaneously shoved to the front of the film, being the one character that's actually involved in the Eastern plot, yet somehow dragged to the back in favor of showing uh, off the other members of the band. I got this impression that the film would have been a lot more focused if it didn't just feature the other three Beatles, but more importantly, I just I got this impression that the other three didn't really want to be there. George Harrison was just barely present with John and Paul constantly being pushed in front of him, despite 
them both being rather awkward on screen. Uh, Paul and John were given all of the cute one-liners and didn't contribute much else to the film, which is a lot more than the, uh, than the nothing George brought. Ultimately, the story felt extremely segmented, each change in location feeling like a completely different story, which only added to how much this film felt like a compilation of a holiday album. The worst offender of this is during the Another Girl music video, which featured non-introduced characters, the Beatles dressed in casual clothing, and there were plentiful locations uh, that bear no relevance later on. All of the music videos were uh, by far the most entertaining uh, sequences of the film, but none of them bared any relevance to the plot. Despite its title and quirky cover, the Help album was just another collection of love songs. This means that cutting between this and James Bond parody film, we had mm. these romantic songs, despite the film featuring no kind of romantic plotline. People are way too forgiving of this film just because it stars the members of a popular band. This movie was only produced to capitalize on the ever-growing success of everything this boy band touched, and it really shows in the worst way. At the most, I would argue that it's interesting to see some of the band's first interactions with South Asian culture, an area that greatly influenced their music around the middle of their career during the release of this film. But beyond this, I feel this film is completely pointless. Well, I mean, all film is pointless. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I I, uh, I mostly... Like, he's got good points. Yeah. He's got good points, Jerry. And, like, I think I agree where he when he says that if people really like this movie, it is probably because of bias towards your opinion on the band. But like I said, I think the Beatles are fine. I thought this movie was fine. I probably like the Beatles more than you. And I think this movie is just yeah. garbage. So I don't know. So it's not total. Well, I don't know. Anyways, David Pierce seems like one of our dudes. Yeah. Uh, only about 10 or oh, 15 five-star movies. Most of them are criterion. Uh, one of their favorite movies is one of our favorite movies, The Passion of Joan of Arc. Uh, a couple Hitchcock films, Citizen Kane, Bicycle Thieves. That seems really popular now with people. Uh, Thin Red Line. So David Pierce, I think, is probably one of our dudes. Cool. Well, he, uh, he maybe he should have a podcast. Uh, and then one more, Mr. Otis, uh, two stars. Apart from the soundtrack and a few funny jokes, it's shit. <laughs> It sounds like a Jared review. Oh, Mr. Otis, Otis just gave Sausage Party three stars. That is a half star movie at best. Mm, it seems like they're they're just starting their uh, letterbox profile okay. or they don't rate stuff very often, but they only have a few five star movies. Uh, two of them are Shrek. Yeah. And uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Catch me if you can. Just Leo movies. <laughs> yeah 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 good yeah i think they just started on here okay okay well it's shit <laughs> good i'm glad you liked it yep outstanding uh after the break rj and i are going to get beetles haircuts and be real garbage buckets uh you already have one of those you bowl cut freak in a boat on a river with tangerine trees and marmalade skies somebody calls you answer quite slowly a girl with kaleidoscope eyes cellophane flowers of yellow and green towering over your head look for the girl with the sun in her eyes 
Jay, is there any uh, specific Eastern religion group that you're going to offend this week? Probably all of them. But, uh, I mean, that's up for them to decide how they take my comments. Well, it looks like we survived uh, the hell of Google Hangouts and Hangouts mm-hmm. and all that garbage. We're coming well, here finally. Uh, we'll see when this episode's finally edited. Uh, I was going to say, we'll see. We're not out of the woods yet. Not out of the woods yet. Um, you can email us maybe at criterioncreeps at gmail.com unless I rage quit. Uh, we've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. We've got a Patreon. We're on YouTube. Uh, SamCloud.com slash criterioncreeps. Uh, criterioncreeps.com. Criterioncreeps.ca. We're on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, all that good stuff. <gasps> Next week, RJ. Back on track from this fiasco. Spine 143 next week. And the return again of Louis Benwell. We're going to be watching That Obscure Object of Desire from 1977. Is that good? I hope so. I uh, I have this movie and I've never seen it. Oh, you've never seen it? There's a lot of Louis Benwell. Uh, he's like one of our uh, top directors well, I, so far. He's like Three or three? Three. It's not he's no Fellini. He's no Kurosawa. Well Fellini and Kurosawa, but I would say Bunwell is a close like fourth. He's getting up there. He's getting up there. He's getting close. Well, let's just call it quits right now and not risk anything ending crashing and burning the world down again. Just end this thing. End it. Put a bullet in it. Mm-hmm. Good night, folks. We're done. We're done. <laughs>